he's right. I mean, why else are they there? I don't think it has anything to do with spirituality either way. To me, spirituality is breathing. <laughs> sure, you're I mean, here, the spiritual, you're here to learn yeah, your people, lesson. Yeah, exactly. We're here to learn our lessons, sir. That's exactly. But I, I think people use that term because it's the idea that if you're more spiritual, then you are more spiritual. <laughs> so, you know what I mean? You, you know, you eat rice and beans and, and uh, you don't. You don't have sex and you don't eat meat. You know, that kind of thing. That, that's what Ironically, that it builds the ego. I'm more spiritual than you are. <laughs> <laughs> that's, right. that's right. No, no, I'm more spiritual. No, no, I'm more, no. <laughs> I eat a fruit or a vegetable, not that's, a vegetable. The right, vegetables scream when you cut them. <laughs> oh, my God. Anyway, she talked about, and she really talked about this idea of what these glyphosates are doing is they're taking the minerals out of the plants the weeds, and that's how they, that's why they're killing them, which is interesting. I, I've never really got that clear before, but that's how it works. That's what they're doing, right? And that's why when we eat them, it's not good. There's even worse ones. Fortunately, glyphosate is water-soluble, mm. so it's not as bad as some of the chemicals out there. Mm. You know, now with computers, they make poisons by the uh, one or two a day right. and they use them that's the scary part they don't check them how they find out they're bad oh people are dying <laughs> oh we better take it off the market that's a shame glyphosate also is not only being used that way it's being used to clean boilers and anything in the plumbing industry that's what it was first used for in the either 50s or 60s wow. when monsanto came up for it they have very they had three patents they had one for cleaning boilers one for the uh the pesticide and one for something else i forget what they all ran out monsanto has nothing to do except they sell it China is the biggest producer and marketer of uh, glyphosate today. 30 to 40% of the world supply, I believe. Yeah. Another fun thing we talked about uh, on a grand scale, looking at our culture and how we are where we are today, that uh, there was 150 years ago, the entire country was grasslands. It was, and it was filled with buffalo and deer and uh, cows, and they kept the grasses there. Right? It used to be like that where I sit today. Grassland. Beautiful. Lush. And it actually affected the weather because of the, you know, the carbon dioxide and all that stuff. And we paved paradise and put up a parking lot and, uh, you know, and killed all the cows and the buffalo and the, uh, the army killed all the buffalo, right? They'd run them off the cliff to try to get rid of the Indians. Terrible what they did. And um, now where I live, it's pretty much a desert, you know. Uh, and they're starting and to go. Oh. That's the real problem with carbon. Yeah. Is simply that we're cutting down all the trees. trees. And here's an amazing fact. If we planted sunflowers, just plant sunflowers, every place that there's a parking lot now in the world, we would get rid of too much carbon. We would die from the carbon we that would, was sucked out of the atmosphere. Because we need the carbon. Sun, sunflowers. Wow. So there's so many easy cures for this. They want to make it complicated. They want to tax corporations. Sure. They want yeah. to tax us. They want us in electric cars. The solutions are easy, but they don't want to they, do the simple solutions. There, there are people, uh, Alan Savory in Africa and other places, that they're putting these heavy-hoofed animals into deserts that can't grow anything. And they just break up the soil and they pee and they poop and things start coming up. 
and things start coming up, you know, and they bring back the land just with animals. But the global eye, what do they want to do? They're, they're taxing people in Denmark and, and they have, they're forcing them to kill some of their cows, uh, a lot of their cows, because they're contributing to global warming. Do you believe that? And the farmers are in revolt in Denmark and places like that. They're going in and forcing people to kill their animals because they're contributing to climate change. It's mind-boggling. Oops, yeah, that's right. You cut off for a minute. It's mind-boggling what's going on. It is. In California, they basically punish the farmers. Like, the people with swimming pools have priority over the water. <laughs> if a farmer can't get the water, too bad, and they eat the food. But same thing in Arizona. The cities get priority. So these farming communities out in the desert, they're, they can't grow food anymore. Now, obviously, that's going to make a food shortage, which I think is part of the plan. I think it is, too. Isn't it, Adam? I mean, you could see. Look what happened with the containers. All that thing, the whole China thing. And I think COVID was about that, too, right? So you couldn't ship the things and, and unload them. And then what did uh, Mussolini, he passed some kind of law out in your state. Um, and you should win an award for being able to live out there, by the way. I should send you with some kind of statue. Anyway, uh, <laughs> they did something with the truckers. They made them do all of these pollution control things and license that catalytic converters. Um, and so they, they contributed to the lack of truckers being able to pick up the containers in Long Beach and get them here. So that contributed to this whole supply chain thing, right? It was all planned, it's gotta be. I mean, look at it, it all happened, boom, 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 boom. Do you think there's accidents with, with this thing? Hmm. No, 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 especially uh, punishing the truckers. Yeah, uh, come I, on. I, I feel bad for all truckers now because they have a tough life anyway. They're on the road all the time. They already overcharge them in taxes and fines and rules and regulations and you gotta keep these accurate records and everything. Now, basically, they're saying you have to... Uh, get a whole new truck yeah. it has to be a brand new truck and it has to be uh have all these uh conveniences so we can watch you we basically watch. it's surveillance they're interested they want to know where that truck is at any point so they can punish them if they're doing something wrong don't you think it's fascinating that we've incarnated here during the time where they're, they're actually evil forces doug and mel we call them they they just want to kill us i mean it's just crazy it's crazy. It's exciting times at the same time. In a way, I, it is. It, I, it is exciting in a way because, you know, we're going to win. I mean, nobody's going to kill me. Nobody's going to kill you. Even if there's a nuclear war, look what happened in uh, in uh, Hiroshima and Nagasaki. A lot of the people didn't die. So this is a chance to up our immunity so that we can handle all these forces, all the electric, electromagnetic forces, radiation, all of that. I believe we can be, if a cockroach can live in a nuclear reactor, <laughs> some of them, what are we? I, I think we basically, uh, I guess I'm kind of a species uh, 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 promoter of human beings, but I think we are a little step above a lot of the other animals. Oh, we, I, we are we more evolved. Yeah, we are. And we, we know that we know, which animals don't. They just know. You know, I'm not saying we're, you know, we're, I don't know. We just are. We're just more evolved. It's just part of the deal, you know. But doesn't mean we can't treat them with the greatest of respect and, and everything else, right? 
And uh, we've done some amazing things, and we've done some very, very bad things, obviously. <laughs> but humans, uh, I, I, I think we're survivalists, and I don't think dinosaurs or something else are going to. Uh, when this Earth goes, we'll probably still be here. <laughs> probably. I, until uh, it's time for us to inhabit another planet or wherever we're going to go after this, or dimension, whatever. You know, I, I, I think, um, I don't know, the more I think about it with all this meat thing I'm eating, that I really honor these animals, I really respect them, and I really am thankful that they're giving up their life so I can get stronger. And I think it's a good thing for them. They're, they're doing their job. They're souls. They evolve. We don't kill them. All we do is take their body for a, we use their body for us, for us, and they move on to do something else. I don't know. Maybe they're a horse or, you know, maybe they become a people someday. I don't know. The American Indian almost always did a oh, ritual always when they did. killed an animal. To, uh, they knew it. Yeah, they knew it. Oh, you think Even about Even Donald Lay, when he would ki- kill a cockroach, he would he would kill it and say, "Be a honeybee." Oh, is that what he said? Be a honeybee. That's great. Yep, <laughs> that's great. Be a honeybee. Be be somebody. He was a joker, though. One of the funniest things is uh, someone asked him, uh, "Should we kill roaches?" Because people, even I went through that thing. I hated to kill animals. Right. So someone asked him, should we kill roaches? He said, it's absolutely immoral to kill a roach. Then he looked across the room like he saw something, walked dramatically across the entire room, swatted a, a, a roach, said, be a honeybee, and went back and sat down <laughs> like nothing had happened. Be a honeybee. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, Ray P. talked about uh, that... Uh, He's, he's actually communicated with ants and uh, kind of told them just to leave. And uh, I tried it a few weeks ago. I had these ants that came in from, I think it was under the house. I have a pier and beam thing. And they came in somewhere through the wood floors. I couldn't figure out where they were, you know. So they came in and man, they streamed in the kitchen like in the cartoons where they streamed the long stream. And they would bite your feet while you're walking around. And and if you would put something on a counter, they would climb up there and, and want to eat it. So I you know, I said, Come on guys, uh, you you know, just don't do this because you're really invading my space. I mean, you know, I love you and everything, but I'm gonna nuke you if you don't leave. And they didn't leave. They just didn't. And I waited a week and they didn't leave. I put up with them, so finally I put out some stuff from the Home Depot and and uh, and nuked them. But it took a great while, long time, probably about a week and a half or two weeks before they finally croaked themselves. And I guess they, they feed the queen bee this stuff, and she goes. And I didn't like it, but what were you going to do? You know, you can't have these things biting your feet when you're in your house. You know, And they hurt because these are fire ants in Texas. You know. Fire ants do bite. Boy, yes. they bite, man. They so I didn't yeah, like I it. I let insects out, but when too many of them come, what are you I do? do the same thing. I give them a warning. I say, <laughs> okay, this is too much now, you know. So. <laughs> That's right. That's right. We have these scorpions. You ever seen these scorpions in Texas? Boy, if you ever get stung by one of those puppies, man, you'll, you'll know it. They got a tail on it, a scorpion, like Scorpio. And they're, every now and then you see them in the bathtub in the, in the summer. I think they somehow get in there looking for water. I don't know how they get in there. And, but I, I take some toilet paper, you know, cover them up and throw them out. I don't kill them because I don't want bad scorpion karma. I do that with spiders. I don't kill them. I don't kill them. 
I was stung by a scorpion four times. They hurt too, One don't they? Scorpion. They hurt. The amazing thing, I woke up in the morning and I put my jeans on, totally unsuspecting. <laughs> it was in there. I wore those jeans for an hour. Wow. And uh, a friend of mine uh, drove me, uh, we were driving around doing errands, and I got out of his truck to go into a store. And suddenly I felt this huge pain. And I thought, my God, I'm having some kind of neurological thing. It really, really hurts. Ouch. Ouch. And, uh, and I didn't think anything about it. Then I go in the store, and again, I get stung. And, and now I realize something's in my Levi's. <laughs> so I slapped it. It stung me again. I slapped it again. It stung me again. Oh. And then it dropped to the floor, and I stepped on it. It was a big scorpion. Was it a big one? It rode in my Levi's for over an hour. I hate it when that happens, man. Did it sting you like in the family jewels and that Mr. Happy or did it miss that? I have a photo of it on Facebook. I'm going to repost it. Oh, so it wasn't in a, in private parts. Nope. He got me in the thigh, mostly, well, fortunately. Well, at, least, at least it wasn't in all the good stuff, you know. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> man, uh, I tell you what, it's... There were a lot of scorpions when I was out in uh, Fayetteville at that ranch. Uh, I'd open the mailbox, and they'd be living in the mailbox even, so I had to be really careful getting the mail in the morning. <laughs> yeah, boy. Uh, Adam Bergstrom's here, OneRadioNetwork.com. Uh, let's see, we got some more emails here. Let's see. Uh, when I was 16, I asked my dad for some money to buy glasses because I couldn't see the blackboard at school. He refused to buy them for me as he was a bit mean with money. He's long gone now, but I'm having some eye issues some 50 years later. How can I clear the trauma if there ever was one? So he's thinking he's got eye trauma because of his dad. How could he clear that up with his dad if that's the case? That's interesting. You know, it differs from different people. They have different things to clear. I'll give you a perfect example. Uh, a friend of mine was having troubles with one eye, hmm. and it was his right eye. And uh, he said, uh, I, because I'm on the computer all the time. Mm -hmm. And I said, I'm on the computer more than you are. How come I don't have eye problems? <laughs> well, it turned out he had actually seen his wife having sex with another person and didn't do anything about it. And they got divorced after oh. that, but but it was such a trauma to him uh, that it caused his eyesight to go out in the right eye. Now, uh, both eyes, there's some kind of trauma associated, something we don't want to see, and uh, we close it out. So I had uh, I wore glasses for 23 years, and mysteriously, my sight came back. So I don't know if a trauma was associated with it. I'm sure it was in some how. Yeah. But just 23 years later, I picked up the newspaper and was reading it. And I thought, wow, I can't even read a menu without my glasses. And now I'm reading the newspaper. What happened? It just happened like that. It's Magic. amazing. It's amazing. Yeah, I want to go back and visit, see if we can give Nancy a little bit more information. Because I didn't read what she said. So let's put her little picture up there. Do show and tell. She says, um, I put turpentine on them, and then the next day, 
One was a big blister bubble. Oh, so maybe the turpentine act, it made it angry. Itched at first, and then they were leathery, but now I have band-aids on them. My right arm is a bunch of little teeny weeny blisters that itched. I put calamine, turpentine, Benadryl spray on and all that. She's, and they're itching. She says, but they don't itch anymore. Do you think they're blisters, scabies? I rubbed against a, I rubbed against a certain plant, maybe. Any ideas on what to do? So we, we've kind of... I can do it. Yeah. Try sugar. Try sugar? Oh, try sugar on Sugar the, works for bed sores and a lot of irritations. Does it? Huh. Or honey. Honey will stick to it, but you can make a... Just wet the sugar and just rub it on it. Sugar itself doesn't come in dried crystals when it's in the stalk. When you get like sugar cane, they have to remove about 80% of the water from the plant and then let the sugar crystallize so you can just re-wet uh, it and just apply it and uh, maybe put a band-aid over it too see what happens because sugar has been used for that aloe is another thing that works aloe actually has a sugar in it and it also has uric acid in it which is excellent for uh, irritations yeah yeah and, and, and that's an, another option is kind of the just leave it alone option and it might just it might just go away pretty quickly Possible. A lot of times when we apply turpentine and various things to it, it causes more of a problem yeah, it could. because yeah. it fights back. Also, which side of the body, She's on the right. She on, said, who's the matter? Yeah, who? So it's a female. So is there a woman in your life, friend or mom or past or <laughs> present mom, <laughs> a girlfriend? Usually there's something, you know, uh, anniversaries are particularly interesting. Mm. Uh, a vibrant gal you know, she escaped from Hungary. She broke her ankle on an anniversary of that. And something else happened to her on the uh, anniversary of her, her dad's uh, cosmic vacation. Yeah. This happens commonly. I even know someone that uh, had a bloody stool three times a year, and it turned out to be a trauma uh, over that. Yeah. That happened. And many times, we don't even remember the date. But our subconscious and unconscious and superconscious, Play they know all of that. Play it over. We really know everything, but we've hypnotized ourselves into believing we don't know everything. I know. But we do. You know, I know we do, Adam, and I know you'll appreciate this. And I, I just have so much fun with it because you're a writer and I, I'm writing uh, screenplays, as you know. And um, what I do is I take the position that I really live that there's only now, right? There's just now. We know that. I, I, it's not a mental concept, you know, I know it, I live it. And so if it's only now, then that would mean the screenplay is already finished. It has to be, right? Because there's no future for it to be done later. It has to be done now. So I keep working on uh, sinking into the nowness when I'm at my computer writing and just relaxing and sing hue and talk to masters and say, help me out here and when I want to move forward to something that I don't not clear about, what's the next scene or something? I will just ask, well, what can what can my guy do from here? What would be interesting? What would he say? You know, or what could he do to even challenge him a bit more? And if you sink into that and just relax and don't go anywhere and don't think, get out of the mental realm, something comes in. Now, I'm not saying that's going to be the final, final to come in. There might be a, a later update, but 
that information is there. So for me, writing creativity is really bringing it down in, right? Bringing it down from some other reality because it's already finished. I mean, isn't there a saying, there's nothing new on earth? What's that under saying? Under the sun. Under the sun. There's nothing new under the sun. I think that's where that comes from. Yeah. I think it's true that we, uh, we remember things rather than uh, discover them. Hmm. I think everything is here that ever will be, and from both from midnight eternity, both ways. It's got to be, you right? Know, it's got to be. When I was in high school, my friend talked me into going to Baptist church, and so I went to a Sunday school uh, in the 11th grade, and I got in an argument with the Sunday school teacher about eternity. I said, well, <laughs> if we're going to live for eternity, that means the other way, too, in the past. Oh, no, 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 it's the future. You can't be, you're born and then you live to eternity. I said, then it's not eternity. Eternity's in both directions. Anyway, I got in trouble. Oh, yeah, of course you got in trouble. It's like, it's like the, I didn't last long in that Baptist church. <laughs> there was a great movie. I think it was, what was it? I don't know. There was a great movie about, uh, I think it was The Big Short or one of those, and they had a little flashback of when the, the fellow was a, a Jewish kid, was a... Um, um, a Jewish fellow was a kid, and it was a flashback. And he, the, the mom, the mom was talking to the to the rabbi about her kid who's misbehaving, and you know, and she said, "Well, what's wrong? He's a good kid, and and, and all of that, and you know, he he's smart. I mean, what's the problem?" And the rabbi says, "Well, you know, he keeps in class. He keeps raising his hand, and and, and in the Bible looking for loopholes." <laughs> 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 a great line in a, in a film I don't remember what film it was but looking for loopholes and which you used to do and I used to do and the teachers thought we were crazy right they said come on <clears throat> yeah yeah I always looked for loopholes and sometimes I would figure out mathematical things the wrong way right. no you can't do it that way you have to do it this way <laughs> it's like, well I found it this way why not I can remember I was in uh, I think 8th grade and uh the nun said that, well, when babies died, when they didn't, um, were baptized, right? If they died and they weren't baptized, they would never go to heaven. Never. They didn't go to purgatory. They went to limbo. Remember that one? Limbo. I remember. Limbo. And limbo was this place where you just went for eternity because you weren't baptized. So I knew that moment that she was just making that up. I knew it. And here I was like, what, 12 years old or something? And I raised my hand and I, you know, I do the whole thing. I said, nah, nah, I'm not going. And man, she really got angry with me, you know. Yeah, I discovered, uh, between <laughs> the eighth and ninth grade, I discovered Edgar Cayce, uh -huh. Yogananda and all of that. Uh -huh. So I was off to the races after <laughs> that. I went through a stage in the fifth and sixth grade. Was I was inseparable. Jesus was coming any minute, you know. And <laughs> why right. are you out there playing? You should be in Sunday school and get ready. And I'd be looking over the horizon. <laughs> when is he coming? When is he coming? Well, I think, you know, for those of you who are Christians, and we're not mocking you or anything, I... I get the Jesus thing, and he was a wonderful teacher. Uh, but I think the second coming, uh, if you want to look at it like that, is now. I think this is what's going on. I think in, in human history, this is the big one that they've always talked about, Anna Bergstrom, and you can tell me if you agree. Financially, 
uh, spiritually, economically, um, globally, politically, uh, you know, everything is just kind of bubbling right now, right? And it's just the worst it can be on one end, you know, wars and pollution, whatever, you know, politics. Um, and on the other end, uh, all these souls are waking up, you know, are just becoming awake and saying, whoa, wait a minute, whoa, you guys are lying to me, dude. <laughs> You've been lying to me your whole life. And I think that's what the Great Awakening and the, and, uh, the Second Coming is all about. Ultimately, it's all a movie. And so we make these movies because would you watch a movie without a villain? Even in a comedy. You got to have the, a villain. You got to have a villain. The bad guy steals the girlfriend, That's you right. know, something like that. <laughs> if you don't have a villain, you don't have a story. That's no the whole, story at all. That's the yeah. whole Joseph Campbell, you know, um, and that's life. That's why we have told stories over the campfire since the beginning of time. And this story's always had somebody pushing against you. I mean, that's what life is, right? It's always, 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 you know. And even and Leave It to Beaver, even Leave It to Beaver, right? Our Father Knows Best, or Mickey Mouse Club. They always, you know, it's cartoons, right? The, you know, the Roadrunner. There's always somebody pushing against the, the protagonist so they can grow. That's what life is. That's why we're here, to grow and to learn our lessons. We always need a villain like J.R. Ewing in the series Dallas. Oh, yes. that's a great one. <laughs> he became famous as a villain. <laughs> we were talking about the soil on this lady yesterday. I don't know if you've seen, but it's pretty, really, really actually a pretty good show. Uh, Kevin Costner, Yellowstone. Have you seen that one? I haven't seen oh, it. I've been really watching too many Russian Really movies. good. <laughs> so anyway, he's a rancher and a cow guy, and you know he's got this huge ranch, Yellowstone, and everybody's trying to take his land, and he has great respect for the Indians that are on some of his land. And so there's this uh, vegetarian Nazi PETA girl that comes to town, and she's out there protesting, right? Uh, all the cows, and you're, you know, you shouldn't eat the animals, and the whole thing. And so... She gets arrested and thrown in jail, and he knows that his daughter kind of put her up to it, so he wants to help her, right? So he talks to the judge and kind of gets her, gets her out of jail for a bit. But before they went to jail, he has a relationship with her, too. He, he wants to bring her out to the cows, you know, to the ranch, <laughs> and show, show her what goes on here, that this is nature, this is life, this is the soil, you know? You guys, you know, just don't really get it. And, and it was funny, they have a great scene in there where she's out there and he's talking to her and you know she's still into, it's bad to kill the cows. And he said, do you know how much life you guys kill when you plant your corn or your rice, right? You kill everything, you kill the bugs, you kill the soil, you kill the snakes, you kill the frogs, you kill everything. What about those? And it was a great scene because it's true. You know, it, it, it's very true. The fellow who wrote it, I don't know, you you probably know this, uh, I'll look it up. Um, he's a brilliant writer. He's written he's written a lot, of, a lot of good stuff. I'll look up his name and let you know. Um, real, a lot of good stuff. Anyway, that's called Yellowstone. If you ever get tired of, uh, of Russian movies, you can always watch that. I think you'd enjoy it. Okay, we gotta do a commercial or two. Uh, Adam Bergstrom, we have 45 minutes to go. Near, give or take a little bit. So if you'd like to uh, join the show, uh, always fun talking to Adam. SolarTiming.com is where you can go and buy his book. 
he has so many e-books uh, uh, that it's against the law, but he doesn't care. He lives in California. So if you if you would like to get something that's really, really good for you, I have a little special deal going on right now on a relaxed far infrared sauna. We sell them day to day for the best price ever, uh, $1,295. And the uh, retail cost is about $1,500. Uh, that's what they'd like us to sell it for, but that's, I don't know. I don't need to make that much commission. So uh, we, we sell them for $1,295. They allow us to do that because we don't print it in print. As long as we just do the sale over the air, and then you email me, and we don't put it in print, it's nowhere on our website, we sell it for twelve ninety five from day to day. Pretty cool. Email me, Patrick, at OneRadioNetwork.com. But we thought it'd be fun to do something special for August as we jump into fall, or fall into fall, when a lot of people will be, um, uh, a lot of people will be buying more saunas, because as soon as it starts to cool off, everybody wants a sauna. So we thought we'd ha- let you get in, get ahead of the game, get one now and we're doing it for a hundred dollars less so if you email me the next two weeks you get one for one thousand one hundred ninety five dollars and that's delivered lower 48 1195 uh, just email me and I'll give you this the price and and here's a little bit on the sauna from a fellow in Europe who's pretty cool previously with dr. Thomas Rao the Pericles Medical Clinic in Switzerland their specialty is detoxification. We asked him about far-infrared saunas. The far-infrared sauna goes much deeper into the skin subcutaneously. It has its maximum about 4 to 5 centimeters below the skin surface. You've actually measured materials in the sweat and you've proven this. Yes, the, the patients after a week doing this every day, half an hour or 45 minutes, they react quite much with sweat. Then you can collect this sweat. Then you measure this and then you find how much they detoxify with the heavy metals. It's really amazing. These are great units. I've had mine four or five years now. Well, that's about five years ago when I did the commercial. I've been doing the saunas uh, regularly for I don't know how long now. It's crazy how long. Uh, probably every day for five years maybe I mean very rarely miss I love them and there's so many good things that go on like not only in your sweat but they've actually measured it so you can do a urine test and they give you a little thing ETDA or something like that Adam would know and it helps you to detox more heavy metals and measure the mercury and lead and stuff in your urine and then um you see how much uh, stuff comes out in your urine, then you go in the sauna for 30 minutes and you measure it again and more stuff comes out. (laughs) Hello? That's pretty cool. So we're doing so much in the sauna, about three major, more than that, but we're detoxing in the skin, we're detoxing in, obviously, through the urine and through the kidneys. Um, Probably more stuff comes out in the feces. I've never seen any test looking at that that'd be fun and then all the things that go on with the heart the circulatory system the entire blood vessels that Rhonda Patrick uh, has gone through and we have that video on the sauna page on one radio network so some really cool things go on 
when you're in a sauna, it's almost like you've been exercising for 30 minutes. You know, your your pulse goes from, my goes from like 60 to 80 or 90. You sweat, and it's just like you've been running around like a crazy man for 20 minutes. So good things happen to your heart, blood vessels, arteries, everything when you're in these saunas. So that's probably why cultures have used saunas forever. Then the infrared saunas are new and different technology. That's a step up above, I believe, a sweat lodge, even though spiritually the hot rocks in a tent is pretty cool if you do it with Indians and they've got some good spiritual things going on. But the infrared technology goes deeper and ours is uh, uh, made in a medical university in Taiwan. So if China doesn't take over Taiwan and do something to them, I guess we'll still have this on us. Never thought of that. But, um, uh, and low EMF, so it's a great, great unit. Just email me if you'd like to get one. Uh, Patrick at OneRadioNetwork.com um, You've heard me talk about the AquaCure machine. Um, Adam has told us that hydrogen is one of the few um, molecules that's on both sides of the, of the um, um, you know, the, the, the thing. The, the thing, you know what I mean? The, uh, uh, what do they call it? Periodic table. Hydrogen is on both sides. This conversation goes back seven years with Dr. Patrick Flanagan. Listen. And then I discovered uh, that Hunza water also contained negative ionized hydrogen, which is a source of biological electrons. When we're young, we have enzymes in our body called dehydrogenase, and the purpose of dehydrogenase is to lift off hydrogen ions from foods we eat, and and their purpose is to create NADH, which is a chemical that acts as a shuttle in the mitochondria for producing uh, all the energy in our body, adenosine triphosphate. And when people take this, it it causes DNA repair. It heals the body from uh, all kinds of oxygen-free radicals. It also helps the body recover from damage from radiation. Well, we certainly want some of this stuff, right? Check out our AquaCure machine. AquaCure machine on OneRadioNetwork.com. Yeah, check it out. And right now, right now it is, whoops, I lost my earphone. Right now it's 20% off. Use promo code One Radio. This is Brown's Gas, uh, which is a, a step up from hydrogen, and that has that expanded water capability that uh, Gerald Pollack talks about. Um, so this is uh, better, faster, slicker than a regu- regular hydrogen machine. Ours is Brown's Gas machine. And it has safety features, which virtually none of the other ones do. And you want to have the safety features because hydrogen is a very powerful molecule. I mean, hydrogen bombs and, whoops, hydrogen buses and hydrogen cars. And me thinks, not that I know anything, but I think that hydrogen is going to be the, the, the uh, um, energy source of the future. I think this is what we're going to do. And also nuclear um, I think that's where we're going. Uh, um, whatever. I just think that's what it's going to do. So invest in hydrogen or something. Invest in your own health with a 20% discount. Promo code 1RADIO. Lifetime warranty. L- lifetime warranty. And also a one-year, no questions asked, money back warranty with this machine. One year. You can have this puppy for 10 months. Email George, say, man, you're crazy. This thing doesn't do anything. And he'll send you your money back. You send him the machine back. 
Seriously. I think he's had like one or two. <laughs> Once you got breathing it and drinking the water, you'll feel better. You'll feel... I've been doing mine like three years now. So check it out. It's a wonderful tool. A hydrogen Browns gas machine. Promo code One Radio for 20% off right now on OneRadioNetwork.com. i got to get Adam's thing up here and do it again. From the Hill Country in Texas, this is OneRadioNetwork.com. Adam Bergstrom, you, you like hydrogen stuff, don't you? You told me it's pretty good, and, and you like that. Oh, that's the both sides of the, uh, what, both sides of the periodic table, right? Move it back a little bit so you can see. Hydrogen is up in the top two corners, right? Both corners. It is above uh, lithium on one side and mm. fluorine on the other, two of the most active elements, and it helps them work it works in the it works in the iodine series and it works in the uh in the uh lithium series as well yeah so it's the only element that can do that and it is its own opposite it has both a positive and a negative charge you'll see helium on the top there with it but helium is an unsociable gas it doesn't combine with anything so you have to have hydrogen with hydrogen as you always match one side of the table with the other and hydrogen matches itself that's crazy so it's transgen oh just kidding no it's just yeah, it <laughs> it's an lbgt thing and this is a this that. is a great one that you said was a good study that you liked uh you saw it was a long-term and daily use of molecular hydrogen induces reprogramming of liver metabolism in rats by modulating NADP, NADPH redox pathways. I, I sent this to you, and they're making the argument or the study and scientific reports that hydrogen actually helps with fatty liver and gunky liver disease. And you thought it was a pretty good study. It's very important, yeah. Hydrogen, uh, it's in water, it's in all kinds of things. It basically is necessary for life. Our stomach acid depends on it. it so many things depend on it uh, that it's, it's just amazing. It's good stuff. And the universe basically started with hydrogen. With hydrogen, yeah. In one of my spiritual books in Ekankar, um, Rebazar Tars, a spiritual master, was talking to Paul Twitchell, and he said in the book, it was called Dialogues with the Masters, he, he says that the first manifestation of divine spirit, or what we call the yak, is hydrogen. Isn't that interesting? The first manifestation of, of God in physical is hydrogen. That's why it's number one. That's why it's number one. Wow. Helium is number two. Maybe like Avis, they try harder, <laughs> but hydrogen still is number one. So, so this fellow I was talking about who wrote Yellowstone, um, his name is Taylor Sheridan. I don't know if you've heard of him, but Yellowstone, he wrote, also did 1883. That's another series where it was the, um, the Yellowstone family before they came to uh out west, wherever yeah. Yellowstone is, I guess it's Montana or one of those, and a really cool series about families that are going across the country in wagon trains and what they went through to get there. Uh, yeah, Taylor Sheraton also wrote a movie and and uh, produced Wind River, one of my all-time favorite movies anywhere. If you ever get a chance to watch it, Wind River, it's really cool. Um, and who's the guy that uh, is in that thing? 
is um, Jeremy Renner. You know Jeremy? Hmm. You don't know? You know? Do no. Jer- you know Jeremy Renner? Yeah, he's really a wonderful actor, Jeremy Renner. And uh, Taylor Sheridan also wrote a. You can tell I'm such a film geek. He also wrote a thing called um, um, Mayor of Kingstown, which is a terrific show, and um, Hell or High Water, which is a great Texas. Uh, this guy's really good. This Taylor Sheridan man, he's on. He's on top of it. And he's got Landman, ooh, which is in production. I wonder what that's about. That looks good. So, Wind River. Yeah, I'm behind since, uh, what was the name of the place where you would uh, get movies and uh, discs back in the day? Can't even think oh, of the name of block, it anymore. Blockbuster. Blockbuster, yeah, right? Yeah, Blockbuster. I had a card for a movie <laughs> a day. Did you And really? you would get premiums from that. They don't expect a person to show up every day. Well, for for a year or two, I showed up every day for a movie. Whenever I was in town and yeah. I got it, I would get the whole month and be there, get bonuses, watch movies on cable as well. So I would watch not only the movies, but they would often have how they made the movie. Yeah. And that was fascinating yeah. to me, just to watch how the cameraman's perspective or the actor's perspective or whatever. And we had a little, so remember I, a little I blue a, blockbuster card? It was blue, right? And with yellow letters. And yeah, um, uh, yeah I mean, just... And that's when the that was some VCR days too, right? When you got the clunky old VCRs. Yep, back in the day. Back. And then I actually got uh, when I moved to Kilgore, uh, Texas, I got banned from both movie <laughs> places, blockbusters. Why they ban? Why they I ban said, you? Why they ban you? I got mad at the uh, manager and I used the F word. And he said, "I'm calling the police," and they oh. banned me. Oh. And then the local one. Uh, I watched so many movies out of the local one that uh, I would bring them back occasionally because they were bad. They blamed me (laughs) and banned me from there. So finally, a third video store came in and everything worked out. And then eventually, the manager of Blockbusters changed, and so I went back there. A couple people have Yellowstone in the subject. Let's see what they're saying. Did you know that parts of Yellowstone was filmed on the infamous Four Sixes Ranch whom China just bought lock, lock, stock, and barrel buildings, horses, and cattle. Wow. Where's the Four Sixes Ranch? Oh, yeah, that was in the show. I think that's in Texas, Four Sixes, isn't it? China just bought it? Man, these rascals. Uh, uh, oh, oh yeah, they Taylor, do that. Taylor Sheridan uh, creates movies to support his horse habit. He's a horseman. Yeah, he's a real horseman. He really is. I want to meet this guy someday, man. I think he lives in Texas too, Taylor Sheridan. I just love his writing. He's just a, a wonderful writer. Well, I got a little film thing I wanted. To, uh, I thought it would be mentioned. I think this is interesting. Could be interesting. You know, you and I, we talk about anything. Uh, being a film geek, uh, I watch a lot of uh, stuff just involved with films. Like you say, camera, how it works, the lighting, the sound, production, everything. Uh, just learning I'm just fascinated by the whole thing because this is what I'm going to do when I grow up is produce movies right so and write them and produce them so I came across a show that I've seen before called the Actorist Studio I don't know if you've ever seen this 
It's a Bravo. It's a Bravo thing that I think NBC just bought. Inter- the interviewer is this elderly fellow. He's got a little beard, and he's really into acting. And they have the actor's studio right in New York, and they teach kids how to act. And really geeky film people. They're really good. So the other day, I watched a, a, an hour and a half with Tom Cruise, and they just filmed it. And then uh, yesterday, I watched an hour and a half with um, uh, John Travolta, right? And they're both Scientologists. And I've got to tell you, no matter what's going on in the Scientology world, which they get a lot of bad press and they've done documentaries on how they're crazy, and they probably are up there at the top, as religions always do. I have to tell you, that Cruz and Travolta both in this interview, and this was a quiet hour and a half, boom, you know, they're two of the most intelligent, <laughs> aware, settled, uh, talented, uh, um, um, uh, successful, and what's the opposite of egotistical? Um, humble and generous people I've ever met. These guys are really cool. Both of them, deep down in the heart of Texas. I mean, you listen to them and the way they responded and talked and their life and how they care about the people. And you know they're honest because they boy right there. And it was pretty interesting. So, you know, I'm not a Scientologist. I don't know anything about it. But L. Ron Hubbard must have had something going on because uh, you know, they really understand Cruz and Travolta both about the how mind body th- they do because you know they do and the way they act and and uh, their whole craft. Uh, Cruz will spend a year just researching an a-, a character and Travolta too. And a-, a year, a year. That's why he's a billionaire. That's why he's a billionaire and why you know his latest movie is one point two five billion billion dollars. The latest movie, The Top Gun. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Can you imagine 1.2 billion in a month? Yeah, oh. I admire them both. Uh, yeah. Cruz, particularly, he will take a part that makes money, and he knows it's not really that good a script, so that he can go and take another movie, because he's been in a lot of, like, Eyes Wide Shut. Yeah, and, good one. Uh, yeah. What was the one about Magnolias? Where the yeah, oh, no, it's called Magnolia. It was a great, great movie. Magnolia, great, great movie. True. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Travolta is just excellent from yeah. from the time of his rerun with uh, what was Welcome it? Back Fiction. Welcome uh, Back, Cutter, and Welcome Back, Cutter. From way back then. Yeah, he's he's really very good, and he's a, a pilot, you know. He, yeah. flies, he, he, uh, he has, I guess he still lives at a house with an airport, and didn't he live in Dripping Springs for well, a while? Well, he's got a runway about 20 miles from here. Evidently, he had something going on in Austin that he wanted to fly into Dripping Springs and go to Austin. I don't know if he's still got that, but he's really a sweet guy, a very interesting uh um, and Cruz is like he talked about money and he's never been into the money part of it and he's very clear about it and he said I'm a wealthy guy and he admits it he is he's a cabillionaire because he produces all these movies but you know he's very he was never done for the money he did uh, he did a couple things for scale well, a, a really big movie I don't know what it was 
one of these movies that he really wanted to do it. I think it was, uh, I think it was The Color of Money um, with Paul Newman. I think he did that for scale, which is like, whatever, 500 bucks a week or something, you know. Um, wow. Yeah, really interesting guy. Cool. He's yeah. quite a stunt man too. He does I all of his own we... stuff. He does all of his own stuff. Do you know that he flew that... every one of those airplanes in this latest movie? And he, he designed all of these cameras so they didn't, he didn't do any CGI. He didn't do any computers, which is what they all do. They're all filmed, really filmed. And his, his cast was in these jets too and they had to learn how to, how to be in the jet and not throw up and they all threw up. And really interesting. <laughs> he's, a, he's a cool guy, you know. He's just, there's, there's no doubt about it. And uh, um, well, I just respect he people like that, you know. He reminds me of Jackie Chan because when he hooked up with John Woo, they did a movie where he hangs from the edge of a cliff. You know, that was really, he was really in danger. Right. The movie studios wouldn't let him do it. So they flew up there in their own helicopter and did it when the movie studios didn't know about it. <laughs> yeah, some of, the, some of the stunts he does are amazing. He, he risks his life. Yeah, yeah. Uh, hi, Patrick. Uh, what are your best recent podcasts going along going into specific about the carnivore diet. I'm really interested in hearing your history with it and how more of the day-to-day details you have. Thank you for your great content. You're welcome. I won't do a lot of it here. I'll do it on Friday, day after tomorrow. We'll dig into it more, but I can just give you a few. Uh, Robert Kiltz is a good one. Dr. Al Denenberg. Uh, We've recently done... um, what are some of the other ones? Uh, C-Y-V-E-S, uh, that fellow. He's a uh, from um, South Africa. Uh, he's actually a PhD in liver. <laughs> he, he, how, how about a PhD in liver? Did you see that? He was a liver transplant. See, this guy knows what the PhD is, uh, what the liver is. Kate Cavanaugh yesterday. Um, let's see. Rob Pete, Ray Pete eats. He's not eating vegetables right now. So that's what the carnivore people... What else? Uh, oh, the, I, Ivor Cummins, uh, Eat Rich, Live Long. He's really into fat. He's got so much research into the benefits of fat. He's out of uh, um, Ireland. Robert C-Y, C-Y-W-E-S. So those are the latest ones. Al Dannenberg, Robert Kiltz. So you know, those are the ones we've done recently uh, on on the carnivore thing. So look on our, our bit shoot. Page or also on One Radio Network, and we'll talk more about it. I'm having some excellent fun times with it. Boy, I'm eating a lot of eggs, Adam. Whoa! I mean, all whole. I had, I think, four eggs this morning. I'm eating a lot of eggs. And we have uh, two a night. Do you? Yeah, every night. Did you hear Ray Pete? What do you say about eggs that when you eat them at night, they 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 lower your blood sugar? Did you hear him say that? I did. What did I you think? What do you think about that? Yeah. Uh, you know, things like that can uh, fats and proteins can lower blood sugar. So, uh, also, when you eat whole sugars like in sucrose, you don't hear about a glucose. You hear a glucose spike. You don't hear about a fructose spike. So, uh, if you eat carbohydrates. Uh, if they're combined with a fat or something, they don't have a reaction. And if you cook your 
carbohydrates or dextrinize them like I do into simple sugars. Uh, I take the glucose and break it down to a high octane fuel. So uh, uh, dextrinization is very important. If I don't eat it raw, I usually eat it dextrinized. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And Ray Pete did, he, he, he still thinks to this day that potatoes are a really good thing, right? He's a potato guy. For what it's worth, I've been eating yeah. potatoes I know you all have, of my life. All your life, yeah. yeah. Even when, especially when I was a complete vegetarian for 14 years, potatoes were it. But I had to have butter. See, I couldn't be a vegan because a potato without a butter is some kind of a. Crime. Oh, it's like it's yeah, potatoes crime. without a butter is like I don't know, sex without kissing or something. I don't know what, what potato without True. butter. I mean, what's that about? How could you possibly I, exist without that? I make sure I have fat. Now, when I when I first went solar, I had a big appetite. Mm-hmm. I would sometimes go to House of Pies and order three plates, and one each one would have three eggs on it, and uh, hash browns and whatever. And I would eat nine eggs at night, wow. and then I would have three pieces of sweet potato pie, Ooh, which is baby. made out of the sweet potato, another nighttime food. Yeah. My appetite's diminished quite a bit since then. I, that that would be almost uh, four days food for yeah. me now. I don't eat that much now. I, we went to a restaurant with some friends a couple weeks ago, and I had a, a steak, you know. Uh, it was a great, great restaurant. had all these different foods. And I just told them to bring me a whole bunch of butter on the side. And they brought me some. I said, no, a whole bunch. So they, they went back, and, and I just put butter all over that puppy, and that's what I ate. And boy, was it good. It was really, really good. You know, we put Ray Pete's, um, uh, about potatoes, as long as we're on potatoes in the time we have left, uh, we put it up on BitChute and had all kinds of people kind of chime in. Let's see what they say. Maybe we could talk about some of these comments. Um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It has nothing to do with meat or vegetables and fruits, writes Highlander but rather with acidity content of the food, acid destroys cells in the form of oxidations, and that is why we have to know how to consume alkaline-based diet to be healthy. you agree with that? Completely disagree. I know. I know it's exactly know. the opposite. That's why I read if it. If you too. look at an alkali, it's an oxidizer. What is a uh, an acid? It's redu- It's reductive. It actually is an antioxidant. So they've got that totally wrong. They got that totally wrong. Because I have a book called Acidifier Diet. Acidifier Diet. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, So I wrote back to him and I said, I believe in 40 years the acid-alkaline thing is misunderstood, especially when it comes to the idea that alkaline is good and acid is bad, is what I responded to him. I think that was close, right? You know, we need both. What, What acidity does is build. But... If you build too much, you get a table. You get something solid you can't use. Alkaline breaks down, and then you get a puddle. Well, you can't use a puddle either. We are a colloid. The table combines with the water making flexible flesh, and then we have tissue. Tis you, and then you can walk around with it. Tis you, yeah. So somebody, so I wrote, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Acidifier dye is kind of a uh, yeah. a, a rebuttal of alkalizer dye because we need both. Okay. We need to be breaking down to be flexible, and we need the acidity to be to to grow to to live. 
So I'll go back and I'll, I'll add that to the response and invite him to go to solartiming.com and purchase Acidify and Die and maybe broaden his horizons a little bit, okay? Um, somebody else wrote on the Ray Pete Bitchu comments, potato is a hybrid root that has too much starch that causes mucus in your body, blocking the flow of blood from the delivering nutrients to our cells. Starches, as you may already know, is sticky stuff uh, even used as glue and add mixture in many potatoes today. Never makes me blow my nose, and I've been eating potatoes for years and years and years. A, a vibrant gal was raised in Hungary. What do they eat there? Lots of potatoes, all kinds of potatoes. You can imagine any type of potatoes, they ate it. And same thing here. I was raised as a child on baked potatoes mashed potatoes all kinds of potatoes mashed potatoes. always with butter yeah and in primitive societies the so-called cannibal maori they mostly ate root vegetables root vegetables yeah and so did new guinea they had about 60 or 70 types and there are potato eaters in the andes that eat have what is it 80 or 140 types of potatoes they okay. grow up there yeah yeah. yeah, so potatoes and root vegetables have been an important part of primitive cultures for for millennia. Sure. And look at the Hawaiian people, the ancient Hawaiians, still do today, taro root. They ate a lot taro of taro root. root, you know, and really nasty stuff. I don't know if you've ever had it, but it's really bad. Oh, I love I taro. No, is that Not what they the call it? Well, no, I wasn't thinking of poi. I had poi. I yeah. thought it was yucky. I haven't tasted that, but my friends tell me it is nasty stuff. So I like taro root. Here's the thing with taro root, though: you have to really cook it yeah. thoroughly. Cook same it. with a same with a white potato. By the way, they can be toxic. Kellogg knew about that. In fact, though he's known more for cornflakes, he healed people with potatoes. But he said they have to be cooked well. Well, taro is one of the most easiest thing on your uh, digestive tract is it next to what the pioneers use slippery elm but it's very gentle if you cook the heck out of it if you don't cook it enough it's a very strong irritant of the intestine mm. but taro root has been well they they brought it there in what the 11th century whenever the polynesians arrived in hawaii in the first place so what about this idea that often gets mentioned when you say tomatoes or potatoes of the uh, nightshades and they're not good for you. What, what's up with that? Well, nightshade can be deadly if you get the deadly nightshade, but they have bred the tomato and they have bred the potato and they have bred uh, uh, goji berries. That's a deadly nightshade. People huh. regard it as a health food. Uh, so actually, it's perfectly okay if you cook it. Now, a, a green tomato. But tomatoes we don't cook, slightly. though, right? We don't cook tomatoes, do we? Sometimes I do. Yeah, but you <laughs> but don't have. What I do is I dextrinize uh, them to bring out the flavor, hmm. uh, especially if a tomato isn't completely ripe. Dextrinize it and you ripen it. Cooking is ripening something and making the food into a into a fruit or vegetable. A fruit is already cooked. When it's completely ripe, it's been cooked by the sun. But vegetables have not evolved that way, so a potato must be cooked to eat it. Now, 
people sometimes eat raw potatoes you're not going to die usually from it if you eat a whole bunch it is toxic on the intestines and you will pay a price for therapy once in a while uh raw potato you put it on like uh, on those uh, bumps we saw from nancy yeah. she could put a raw potato on that and it could actually help with it and uh without being any kind of a strong uh element it can actually pull and draw things out of uh bumps like that and and uh warts and even moles there's a fellow by the name of stan ekberg i don't know if you've ever heard of him he's pretty cool i liked him a lot uh, i think he's like german and he's got like two million followers and a very geeky guy and we put a thing on the front page about eggs and he goes through this whole thing about eggs and you might want to watch the first 10 minutes of the video on one radio network and he really makes a case and he sounds pretty geeky like he's know what he's talking about that eggs surpass even meat with the kind of a protein that the body can use even more than meat you think that's true? I believe that do you? Yeah, I think the egg is a superior protein. Uh, well, bodybuilders use it as egg protein they make, but the best way to get it is from a whole egg. Not the white, not the yolk, combined, as nature made it. That's what Rocky did, right? <laughs> That's right. So I was th- raised on eggnog. You sure. Know, I, I, my mother gave me a raw eggs two uh, sure. in, the, in the morning, wrong time, but still, it was good. Do you think the less we cook the egg, the better it is? It depends on what you're doing. Hmm. Certain things, it's more digestible when you actually have a hard-boiled egg. Is it really? But there are other things for immunity and certain conditions that a raw egg is better. So, I've never found that to be true. Whenever I do hard-boiled eggs, which I really love, right? Put salt on it, it's yum. Uh, I feel like they kind of lump in my stomach while longer than a soft boiled or raw uh according to beaumont and william bowman did the tests on a person's stomach uh actually a cooked egg will digest a little bit faster but it's not that much of a difference but there is more digesting and you get more of the minerals out of it than you would otherwise by breaking down the cell walls but it's so small of a difference yeah, that uh, it's like, not really necessary. I just like a hard-boiled egg. Because they're fun, Vibrant right? likes a soft-boiled egg. Yeah. Uh, some people like poached eggs. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, every once in a while, I like a scrambled egg. Yeah. You know, I, uh, a good friend of mine showed me a different way to scramble, which is totally different from what I've done. I really like it. You know, uh, coming from really being, you know, I had a food company and, rest, you know, a, you know, and studied cooking a bit where the chefs put the eggs in a bowl right and they whisk them up maybe a little salt olive oil or butter and then you put them in and then that's how you make your your scrambled eggs right in a really hot pan and it works pretty cool but she taught me it's always about a girl right she taught me that well just put the eggs in the pan you know with some bacon grease or tallow or whatever you want and then just gently stir them you know, so you're kind of gently breaking them apart, not whipping them doodle. And then you can do it really soft. And boy, do they taste good. If I, that's all I do now after I did it one time. You try that sometime. It's just really, you know, you know how you get the eggs in a restaurant where they're all dry. The scramble, you know, you go to pancake, house of pancakes or something. And the bacon is 
is, is like nuked, you know, and the eggs are like nuked, but this is just the opposite. The eggs are real soft and, and kind of a little bit runny, but really tasty. Yeah, really tasty. Interesting. I guess it does something when you break up the yolks a lot, you know, when you do that kind of thing. Adam, I got to run. I've even uh, oh, broken ahead. an egg uh, for sunny side up and put it in and baked it. And, oh, and really? Delicious. Wow. Yeah. Okay, kid, we have, a stage of we have to that. run here. We got to go because uh, yep. we have another interview coming up in 10 minutes. Uh, this lady who had an out-of-body experience. I always have an out-of-body experience when I have Adam Bergstrom with me because he's cool. There's solartiming.com. All of the e-books. How many e-books do we have out there, brother? How many? About 45. I'm working on my sugar book now. 45. And what's the general prices of them? 10, 15, they go from uh, ten bucks to a hundred bucks, nine ninety nine to ninety nine dollars. Three of them are ninety nine. Well, one is it, it, one is an entire set of fourteen books. That's my yellow fat disease book, and uh, otherwise we have a lot of many books. Uh, uh, ten dollars, twenty dollars, thirty dollars, yeah. various cool. books on on all kinds of subjects because and he mounted his horse and rode off in all directions. Is my motto. That's it. Okay, kid. Well, we love you. Thanks to Vibrant Gal for everything. And we'll see you real soon. Let us know if you need something. Coffee, sugar, ammo. <laughs> just, just just, call me. I'll hook you up. We'll see you. Bye, Thanks Adam. Thanks a lot, Patrick. Love you, Have kid. Have a great day. You too. Love you. He's great, huh? Adam Bergstrom 2.0. And uh, here we are. On the second or third Wednesday when we have Adam back and then also check him out on the first Monday of the month. Okay, so I'm going to get some water and uh, get lined up here for our next guest who I think you're going to find fun and interesting. And her name is, uh, well, you'll hear the name in a minute. You know, what can I do? So I will see you in 10 minutes. So take care. From the Hill Country in Texas, this is OneRadioNetwork.com.